on our Revelation. Last week we talked about Revelation chapter 4, which was in a sense a, a prelude to what was coming. Remember, it started with the, the blast of a trumpet. And the trumpet always signifies an announcement or impending disaster. In this case, perhaps a bit of both. At least disaster for some. Praise the Lord, not for us. So we're going to a Revelation chapter 5 and we continue in a sense with setting up the scene. It's a bit like the opening scene. The uh, chapter 4 is a bit like the overture if you like and then chapter 5 is the opening scene that uh, we are witnessing. And uh, I'm using the New Living Translation which I've done consistently throughout our discussion on the book of Revelation. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. The one sitting on the throne is God. And he's got this scroll in his right hand. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll. And it was sealed with seven seals. It's interesting because most scrolls were written only on one side. Was in a sense the inside which was rolled up so you couldn't see it. And they only went on to the other side of the scroll if they ran out of room. Well, this, is, this scroll, and I think there was one in Ezekiel as well, it's written on both sides. So there must be a lot of stuff in the scroll. A lot of stuff in the scroll. Seven seals, well, seven again is the number of perfection, so it, it points us to something to do with the heavenly temple. And I saw a strong angel. Wow, I thought all angels were pretty strong. But here we go, a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals of this scroll and open it? Remember, this was the strong angel who might have already had a crack at it. Now, the seal, of course, was some, some kind of twine. It would have been made out of a, a plant fibre. And then it was uh, covered over with wax. So you would know if, it had ever, if the document had ever been tampered with. This one's got seven seals. Definitely no tampering here. And maybe the strong angel had a crack at opening it, but couldn't. Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Now this perhaps is um, slinging off a little bit at the Greek deities because the Greek deities had three jurisdictions. One, one of course, was above the earth, the heaven. Uh, sorry, one was... Um, what? what am I talking about? Yeah, one was heaven, right? Uh, one was earth, and the other one was under the earth. There was nobody in any of those jurisdictions who was worthy to open the seal on the scroll. And then John the writer says, Then I began to weep bitterly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Wow. What was the victory? The victory over death. 
the victory over pain, the victory over suffering, the victory over finances, the victory over emotional scarring. He won the victory. We remember in our communion that he won the victory. And that's what makes him worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Notice here that Jesus is represented as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion, of course, is a symbol often used to indicate royalty, to indicate authority, to indicate power, to indicate victory. The lion of the tribe of Judah. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seals because he won the victory. This actually, this chapter is a good chapter to do communion with. Then we move on. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that he sent out into every part of the earth. Interesting. We just read about the lion of the tribe of Judah. And within less than a breath, we see Jesus Christ represented as a lamb. A lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. <coughs> looked as if it had been slaughtered. Remember, Jesus' body was actually marred by all recognition as that of a human being. He wasn't even recognisable as a human being because of the lashing that he received prior to his crucifixion. The lamb, the lamb, meek, mild, used in sacrifice throughout the whole, or virtually the whole of Israel's history, still using the lamb. But he looks as if he's been slaughtered. And he stands between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders, who most likely, as we mentioned last week, represent the body of Christ, those who have received Jesus Christ and the salvation he offers. The seven horns and seven eyes most likely represent perfection in power, and perfection in knowledge. The seven-fold spirit of God we've already encountered two times. And uh, although it may well be a reference to a verse in chapter 11, I think it is, of Isaiah, most likely it simply means the completeness and the perfection of Jesus. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he had took the scroll, when he took, when he had took, <gasps> it's not very good English. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. That's a reference back to Psalms. 
tell you what Psalm in a minute. Psalm 141, around about verse 2. The prayers of God's people, the prayers of the saints, are incense, gold, bowls. So if you wondered if your prayer matters to God, yes it does. Yes it does. He sees our prayer as incense in gold bowls. Wow. Incense was expensive in historical times. Gold was and still is. Incense in gold bowls. Wow. What was going on? Well, they sang a new song. A new song with these words. And in fact, as I was thinking about today, I was nearly going to do communion right here. But I, I just felt we needed to make a little switch this morning. But this is what they're singing. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. Nobody is intended by God to be excluded from his salvation. Every tribe, every language, every people, every nation, even the people you think are the most ungodly, even the nations you think are the most ungodly, God has a desire for salvation. And we need to be so careful that we don't fall into the trap of hating the people rather than the sin. And it is hard to do. Man, it is hard to do. <coughs> but these people, perhaps through ignorance or willful stubbornness, have chosen not to become followers of Jesus Christ. And whether they realise it or not, and whether they even care about it or not, I don't know. But they've become instruments of the devil. And we see it in ungodly legislation, in the parliaments, in ungodly policies, in businesses, in the ungodly actions of individuals. But the heart of God, when Jesus Christ was battered, by the whip. And when his blood was shed on the cross, the heart of God was that every tribe, every language, every people, every nation would be saved. You were slaughtered. Your blood has ransomed people for God. Ransom really means has paid the price. The wages of sin is death. He's paid the wage. He's paid the wage. Your blood has ransomed people for God and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests. Some translations say to become kings, of pri uh, kings and priests for our God 
and they will reign on earth. So those of us who have made that decision to become followers of Jesus Christ, to receive salvation, we're now a kingdom of priests. We minister directly to God through our prayers, through our praise, and through our presence. Through our prayer, through our praise, and through our presence. How cool is that? We're a kingdom of priests for our God. And then it goes on to say, and they will reign on earth. So there will come a time when those of us who are committed to Jesus Christ, we will rule. And today, you might not feel as if you rule. You might not feel as if you rule over anything. But the promise of the word, this prophetic word, Jesus was slaughtered. His blood was shed as a ransom for us. And through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God has caused us to become a kingdom of priests. Nothing that we did other than accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Through that action, God has caused us to become a kingdom of priests and we will reign on earth. John speaking. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. <laughs> How good is that? How good is that? Many translations talk about 10,000 angels because that was the highest number that was readily available in the Greek language. But it just means a lot. Thousands and millions of angels. Wow, a heavenly host indeed around the throne of God and the living beings and the elders, which is the body of Christ. That's us. That's us. And we cannot help ourselves. Can you imagine that mighty chorus? Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. Yeah. Mm. Ha. Wow. Do you know what? Worship here on a Sunday morning is just practice for heaven. Yeah. Amen. I love it. Always have. Always have. <coughs> you know, sometimes it sounds pretty okay, doesn't it? Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we're singing with thousands and millions of angels and with those four living beings and with the elders, that's the rest of the body of Christ. You know, I've, I've been with perhaps two and a half, three thousand people worshipping the Lord together and that's pretty, pretty awesome. Thousands and millions of angels and then all of the saints And the living beings. 
And you'd ask something else that is really interesting. This list here, power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing, there's seven in, <laughs> seven in the list. Again, see, that's perfection. Perfection. We're honoring God and we're honoring Jesus in their perfection. And we will have been perfected then too, mind you. In our bodies, and in our souls, and in our spirits. Absolutely perfected. Totally and absolutely redeemed and totally and absolutely reconciled to God. And when we take communion, not only do we look back, but we look forward. It's not just looking back to the historical cross, but we look forward also to this glorious future. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea again, singing off at the Greek deities, every one of their jurisdictions, uh, they sang, blessing and honour and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. Wow. Wow. This is a picture of life in that heavenly temple. And when we have an attitude of worship, we get to experience something in heaven on earth. Jesus is the one who is worthy to open the seals and to read the scrolls because he is both the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb that was slaughtered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> you've, just, you've only heard this once. You say, I've been rehearsing this for a week. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's incredible. <coughs> and I encourage you to read through this chapter every day this week. <coughs> And from now on, see Sunday worship, which might not be perfect because David might have a cough. Right? But see, it's practice for heaven. It's practice for heaven. <laughs> He'd want to miss it. He'd want to miss it. When it's a rehearsal for heaven. Hallelujah. I love it. I love it. I'm watching the clock. <laughs> I'm looking forward. To more chapters out of the book of Revelation. I really am. And we'll get there. And we're going to be blessed on the way because that's the promise that is given to those who teach on the book of Revelation and to those who hear what the book has to say.